New data shows men earn more money than women even after they are dead. We have celebrity examples, including which women at least made the list. They're not at the top of the list, but they're there and where the money is coming from. Plus, we have the debt-free guys, John Schneider and David Auten, back as co-hosts on this edition of Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, host of the Financial Grown-Up podcast, coming to you from my very grown-up kitchen in New York City. And soon we will have John Schneider and David Auden coming to you from Las Vegas, where they are house-sitting for Paula Pant from the Afford Anything podcast, and so much more. This is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape like those debt-free guys. We break them down into what matters to you, our friends. We leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. And big thanks to Bestow for supporting Money with Friends. Bestow is term life insurance that is 100% online, never requires a medical exam. Prices start at just $3 per month. How do you get it? Apply at hellobestow.com forward slash MWF. That is hello. B-E-S-T-O-W dot com forward slash M-W-F. And by the way, by using that link, they know that we sent you and that helps us to support the show. Okay, friends, let's get real. This intro sounded a little bit different if you're paying attention. We had a few technical glitches at the top of the recording of the live version of the show. So we re-recorded just this part. Enjoy the rest of the show from the original edition. Here we go. How's everything at the Career Money Podcast? Everything is going great. Yeah, we're uh, we're wrapping up the year. Uh, I'm really excited to look forward to 2020. Cool. Any preview you want to give us? Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned in the show yesterday, uh, the next time you hear us on this podcast, we will be coming live from Sicha, Spain. Uh, and our December 3rd and December 17th episodes of Queer Money are going to show how, show you how we are living in Spain for cheaper than we can live in the United States. I need to see that. that I am looking forward too. to that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see which money friend is going to bring us into the headline. This is Tim from the Faith and Finances podcast. The Money Talking Party Show starts now. It's time for Money with Friends. All right. This story comes to us from Quartz. It's, it is by Ruth Penfold Mounts, and it starts, men still earn more than women even after they are dead. Just a little editorial note. Seriously? Okay. Um, we're going <laughs> to skip the top because that talks about a lot of the technology that's allowing some um, movie stars that have passed away to be in new movies. We're going to skip to the part that talks about the difference in pay. And it begins with, A paragraph headlined, Making the List. The way in which gender inequality reaches beyond the grave is clearly revealed by Forbes magazine's publication of its top dead-earning celebrities list every October since 2001. Affectionately referred to as the Dead Rich List, it reveals distinct gender inequality. Of 52 celebrities who have appeared on the list in nearly two decades, only five have been women. Actress Marilyn Monroe. Elizabeth Taylor, a 1950s striptease artist, they don't name names there, which is interesting, pinup model Betty Page, and singer-songwriters Jenny Rivera and Whitney Houston. Men, including Michael Jackson, Elvis Presley, and Charles Schultz in of the Peanuts series, you know, um, 
Charlie Brown, um, consistently dominate, like Snoopy, consistently dominate the top positions of the dead rich list. So mm. uh, their earnings after death are staggeringly higher compared to those women who appear. So it's not like there's a close second there with Marilyn Monroe, who, by the way, was the first one. So first place has been held by Michael Jackson every year since his death, excepting 2009 and 2012, helping buck the trend of the underrepresentation of black and minority ethnic performers. But this is really interesting, guys. Jackson's earnings have been immense, rising to $825 million in 2016. He's dead. He made $825 million after he was no longer alive due to the sale of his half of the Sony ATV music catalog, which owned much of the Beatles music, something we've talked about a lot, before dropping off to their lowest point in 2009 with a mere $60 million. <laughs> in contrast, Monroe was the highest female earner with $13 million in 2019, allowing her to maintain eighth place in the list for a second year. Forbes suggests that to achieve a financially successful posthumous career, keep note of this, <laughs> it helps to be a white man from either the U.S. or the U.K., although black and minority ethnic people are more likely to make the cut now than in 2001, as illustrated by Michael Jackson, Bob Marley, and Prince, and Whitney Houston making the recent list. But even if they make the rich list, the posthumous career earners of Monroe, Taylor, Page, Rivera, and Houston illustrate how women and black and minority ethnic people continue to be underrepresented among those who achieve high incomes after death. They reveal that celebrity value in terms of symbolism and economics is highly gendered after death. Dead celebrity women's posthumous careers are limited by being valuable due to their bodily capital. Men have a good track record of making wealth through books they write, music and lyrics they compose and own. In contrast, celebrity women are less likely to be a source for the production of wealth, but a means for generating wealth of others. The article continues with some hope here. It says, but the 21st century in particular is witnessing the emergence of perspective and well-informed celebrity women who, on, who own the source of production of wealth and are not restricted to their bodily capital. Women such as Oprah Winfrey, the Kardashian sisters, and J.K. Rowling are in firm control of their economic and symbolic value, which is something they can take forwards into death. Pretty much all of the possible women candidates for future lists have long lives ahead of them, hopefully barring illness or accident, meaning it will be many years before this gender inequality in death is properly challenged. As it stands, gender inequality of bodily capital means that for celebrity women, death is not the last greatest equalizer. Inequality continues in death. Thoughts, guys? Well, it's... Uh, not surprising, like you alluded to, it's frustrating. Um, and I like what Melissa uh, DeLuca says. I don't want a successful posthumous career. I want one now. But it's interesting how that bridges over into into death. And I think the key here is, um, and I've heard other successful people talk about this before, it's in ha having the ownership of your product, ha having ownership of your name, of your brand. Um, and unfortunately, uh, other than straight white men, for the most part, everybody else has uh, been challenged trying to achieve that. Yeah, and I think that was true historically. I mean, I think that it's a combination of a lot of the women and minorities didn't ask, but it's not just that they didn't ask. They didn't have the opportunity to ask because they had no leverage. If you were a person that if you were a woman or a minority in many cases, and of course it could be for somebody white, we're just saying in general, not everyone had leverage when they're starting out in their career to say to say a record company, well, no, I want to continue to own my tracks. Even Taylor Swift these days has talked about the fact that she had to make 
the best deal she could early in her career, which was apparently not a good deal in terms of owning her music. And that's been a frustration for her. And she did not come from a hard scrabble background. She came from a very stable home, from relatively um, comfortable financial background. So she wasn't desperate financially. And yet even she did not have the leverage when she started to get a contract where she would own her published, I believe the right term is publishing rights. And by the way, we talked about this beforehand. There's an interesting story that Dolly Parton has told about her song, I Will Always Love You, which she had a big hit with twice as a country hit. And then Whitney Houston famously sang in The Bodyguard. Elvis Presley had wanted to sing that song and he required, a white man, required that for him to sing a song and his agent was in there, he had to own at least half of the publishing rights. He wouldn't do any music. And then Dolly Parton famously refused to give him ownership of that song. And therefore he did not record it. And it even went down to the wire. And she, to this day is grateful that she kept is she knows it was the right financial decision to keep ownership of that song, the publishing rights, because it's been very successful for her financially, even though she had to give up a huge opportunity to retain that ownership. So I hope that, well, I hope Dolly Parton lives forever and ever because I adore her music. (laughs) But I hope that at some point, forever away from now, um, she will top this list forever. Because she really, I think, is a role model for owning your stuff. That story, because that's not a recent story. That's long before people really understood that, that she stood up for herself and made sure that she owned those publishing rights. Everyone's Googling right now. It had to take a lot of courage at that time. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think that this really kind of also points out how um, it's probably only recently in this century that many artist creators have begun to start to own their art and that what they create. I mean, you look back into uh, centuries ago, more often than not, the artists were doing their work because they were commissioned by someone such as an, uh, someone in the aristocracy or, or uh, someone, uh, you know, a, a king or someone like that. And they owned those works of art. They, the artists never owned that work. And it's only more recently that I think that we have this, has have had this opportunity and it, Sadly, it makes sense that um, the way that the uh, patriarchal system has worked, that men were the first ones to actually break out and actually start doing that. We taped this live in front of a Facebook Live audience. So thank you for your comments. That's who we did call on, Melissa. We didn't acknowledge that she was coming to us live. She's in our audience here on Facebook Live. We also posted this question to our Instagram audience, which you guys can follow, please do follow at Money Friends Pod. And guys, David and and uh, John, we asked them um, regarding this new data that shows that men earn more than women even after they die. Does this surprise you, really? And the quest, the answers were kinda or so not surprised. So, what do you guys think the audience, our Instagram friends, had to say about this? I would go with so, so not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Shockingly, you guys are right. It was 82% so not surprised and 18% kind of surprised. Um, we also got some comments from our Instagram friends regarding this story. And uh, Brittany says, ugh, this gender pay gap is literally killing me. Yeah, <laughs> I have a comedian on the line. <laughs> Somebody needs to be a copywriter. <laughs> well, you guys are creators. What do you think? I think it's super important to, to own your stuff. I, I think as I've, I've learned throughout my investing career uh, and watching other people uh, build their own careers, um, the, the, the value is always in, in owning your products and services. Um, and that's been very important for David and me. We've been approached by different 
um, entities to do different projects and uh, collaborate in various ways. Um, and it's always been very important for us to make sure that we own our product. Um, and, and if we're going to collaborate on something that it is 50-50, uh, but it, it's pure collaborative, somebody's not taking content that we've already created um, and using it for their own purposes. And what do you do? Do you actively do things to protect your content? Yes. Yeah. We, so we have an attorney uh, that we will review all of our contracts. And actually, we're very grateful because um, a contract that we were working with uh, another company on um, had clearly been written with someone else in mind. Uh, and the contract said that um, if we had signed it, that they would own all of the, our published work, all of the work on our website. Oh, and wow. So when our attorney was reviewing that, he asked, he said, why, why would they want to own everything on your website? And they said, we don't want them to own everything on our website. So clearly it was, it, the contract was not, the lawyers for this multi-billion dollar company had copy and pasted something <laughs> to create a new contract. So please be careful when you're looking at these contracts, review them, have uh, someone intelligent uh, with some legal background to make sure that they review them as well. And we have had uh, copyrights and, and uh, uh, trademark registrations done for our brands as well. Um, so we have a lot of protections. Where do you see the future of this? Do you, think, do you think women will catch up? You said you were optimistic when you were reading the article. You liked the last part. I am optimistic. I think that either, I, I, maybe I'm naive, but I do think that uh, we will achieve equality across the board in every fashion someday. Um, but I think that it's, it's incumbent upon um, twofold. One, those of us who are privileged to make sure that we use our privilege in a good way, but uh, those of us who are, are disenfranchised a little bit to make sure that we continue to stay encouraged, we continue to fight the good fight, we continue to make sure this is a top-line discussion um, and don't let uh, some other entity or politics or fear um, squash the discussion. So let me f ask you just finally, so in, if you were in the Dolly Parton situation where you had your someone that you look up to that you've always dreamed of, of using your work in some way, but they had a demand to own, you know, a significant percentage of it. What would you have done? Truth. Truth. Oh, she's challenging our constitution. I, I'm just um, saying. <laughs> no, I mean, if you were in that position, because, you know, she dreamed of having Elvis own it, but that, I mean, I, I having, excuse me, of having Elvis perform that work. And yet this was sort of an impossible choice. And she, she made a choice that she feels good about now, but I think it was heartbreaking at the time from what she said. Yeah, so the parallel there would be if Madonna wanted to come and take some of my work and use it as her own, I might acquiesce. <laughs> <laughs> I totally might do that. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I guess um, you, you referenced uh, Taylor Swift and being in a position where sometimes you feel like that's all you can do to get into the market, right? Um, and so, yeah, I guess we'd, uh, it would probably depend on the circumstances, but I wouldn't be surprised if we made a few mistakes along the way too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's easy to sit here in hindsight and say this, but the truth is that many of these women that did not make the list, but had big careers and ended up not owning a lot of the content they created or the value they created in whatever they were doing, they didn't have that opportunity. It's not necessarily that they made a bad choice. They didn't have the choice. Right. Yeah. It, it, I think it shows the point that we need to learn from uh, the other smart people who are like us out there. And uh, we also have to be um, available as mentors to others who are coming up behind us. All right, before we get to our takeaways, we want to thank Bestow. We are so happy that Bestow supports this episode of Money with Friends. Life insurance is important, but the process 
shouldn't take forever. If you're familiar with the process, as I am, getting life insurance, you will know the potential for how excruciating it can be. There are long forms, there is a medical exam a couple weeks later, and then the long wait for a price that may or may not be what you expected to pay. You have other things to do. I know I certainly do. So Bestow makes it easy. Bestow offers term life insurance that is 100% online. They never require a medical exam. Prices start at, get this guys, $3 a month. Policies are available for two, 10, and 20 years. I personally like longer term coverages if you're younger. Really, I think for everyone, because we're all living longer. I think a longer policy just gives you more coverage and often at a more economical situation. And then you, you're you set for a longer time. No need to put in your name, email, and phone in order to get a quote, which is also really nice. So for your quote today, and you're going to feel better because you're going to have your coverage, apply at hellobestow.com. That is hello, B-E-S-T-O-W.com forward slash M-W-F. Takeaway time. You guys go first. So I think what what this really does highlight uh, this story is how significant gender inequality has been, especially from, I think, the 40s to the 80s. I think it also speaks to the dominance men had during these years as creators, actors, and musicians, more uh, of the creators during this time period that were popular were men, uh, whereas women were often passengers without control, uh, which I think means that many of them didn't have the material that would or could generate income after death. Um, men learned and had the opportunity to learn early on uh, when they, uh, that they could own what they created. And I think that more women clearly are doing this today, these examples of what, what of what we're seeing, and it's actually being talked about more. It should be a reminder to all of us that if we want to pass down generational wealth, we have to be owners. We have to own something. Exactly. Yeah. This is just one example of how income and many other aspects of life haven't been fair or equal for everyone. That's why we need to continue this discussion and not let politics, discomfort, or discouragement quiet us. I also think this underscores the necessity uh, to be an owner to more easily achieve financial security. If we're financing everything in our lives, from our homes to our education to our quality of life, what are we left with and what do we leave our heirs? I love that, guys. I think that's a really important thing for people to remember and also how far we've come. Here's my takeaway. So what can we learn from this? In terms of leaving ongoing income streams, for example, for our heirs, focus on the assets that will throw off income or are likely to grow in value. What is going to be worth something for the long haul? Oprah Winfrey, the Kardashians, and JK Rowling. They all focus on owning things that have value. Even Kylie Kardashian, excuse me, Kylie Jenner, I said it wrong, Kylie Jenner. When she sold part of her company recently for $600 million, she still held on to a large chunk. She still owns, I believe, 49%. So don't just work for it, own it. I am excited to see this change. We are too. Tell us a little bit about what we can look forward to on the Queer Money Podcast. And are you guys going on tour? <laughs> well, uh, we, we are doing our 2020 planning right now. And uh, we did a 2019 Queer Money Live tour. Um, and we're in negotiations right now to do another version of that. So um, a lot of planning going on right now for 2020. And the tour is just one of them. And where can people follow you on social to keep up with that? We my friends. are the Debt Free Guys uh, or Queer Money on every social media platform there is. Or you can just go to debtfreeguys.com. 
Awesome. And by the way, to our friends listening to this, if you want to learn more about the debt-free guys, you can go to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com and click on thought leaders. You can get their bios and those of our other thought leaders for this season and past seasons. You can also get a link to the article that we read in this show. So you can read it in its entirety. Just go to the show on the calendar that this episode first dropped on. And you can follow us on Instagram and be part of our polls and questions and be part of the show, even if you can't be here with us while we tape it live. And that is at moneyfriendspod.com. You guys will be back in about four weeks coming to us from Spain. So thank you for being with us. Thank you. We're looking forward to it. And on behalf of David Otten and John Schneider, the debt-free guys, I'm Bobby Rebel. Join us next time. And I thank you for listening to this edition of Money with Friends. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Taylor Eichenberg engineered this show and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.